Welcome to our series on the book of Hebrews. In this study, lead pastor Tim Brooks and associate pastor Paul Kern will be sharing life-impacting truths. The Gospels reveal what Jesus did on earth. But now that Jesus has resurrected from the dead and entered into heaven, what does he do? What role does he play? And how does that affect our lives today? These questions and more will be explored in this informative and revealing 10-part series. Now, join Associate Pastor Paul Kern. You know, the natural man, seeing is believing. That's what it is. To the natural man, seeing is believing. But to the spiritual man, believing is seeing. Because we walk by faith. And today we realize that God does not remain, God doesn't reside in a tabernacle built with human hands. God doesn't reside in a physical building anymore. And a lot of what we're going to be looking at tonight has to do with that reality, how God doesn't reside in a physical building built with human hands. God has shifted his direction to a spiritual tabernacle. As a matter of fact, Stephen, when he was preaching to the religious leaders, and I'm going to read just a few verses to you from the book of Acts um, chapter 7, he, he was speaking to them and he said, David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made with human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you build me temples as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet that your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Well, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, steadily gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus was standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. They put their hands over their ears and began to go, La, 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 la like a bunch of kids. I mean, that's what the scripture says. But, but church, here's what I want you to understand as we're talking about this study. For thousands of years, people had worshiped God in a physical building. Jesus has come. Jesus has laid down his life. He has sacrificed himself. He has resurrected. He has entered into heaven. And now the veil that covered the Holy of Holies has been torn from top to bottom. It has been opened up and they're having a very difficult time with this transition because all they've done for years and years and years and years is they have made sacrifices and they have worshiped God in a physical building. So uh, I, I'm just trying to get us to understand. For us, it's easy to understand. You know, Jesus lives in my heart, and Jesus is in heaven, and we understand all that. But when you understand for the Jewish people, the temple, the, ta the tabernacle and the temple were everything. And now we're saying, well, we're not doing that anymore. 
That's not how God connects with people anymore after they've done it for all these years. Now, remember in the Old Covenant, you know, the year before King Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem, the, the year before he built that, the tabernacle is explained in Exodus, okay? So the tabernacle was this massive tent, and it was portable, it was mobile, and, you know, I'm not going to go back and read all this. If you guys want to do some study, I'll give you some scriptures here in a minute. But in the book of Exodus, it talks about all of this. And it talks about how, you know, um, there was a pillar of cloud by day because in the desert, it's hot. And so that gave them covering. That was God's presence that gave them covering. Well, at night, the temperatures in the desert really dipped down into the cold temperature. So at night, there was a pillar of fire that was over it and it kept them warm. Well, anytime that this would move, if it began to move, they had to pack everything up, all of these thousands and upon thousands upon thousands of people, the 12 tribes, and they had to follow wherever this cloud was going and they had to reset camp. And sometimes it just, they just went in circles. And so they're, they're following this. So the tabernacle was huge and it was this big movable tent. And that is where God dwelled. That was how they had contact with God. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, making camp, pulling up camp, making camp, pulling up camp, making camp, pulling up camp. This was how they worshiped. And this was their contact with God. This was God. And it was so important to them. Now, we talk about our church building. And, man, we have been blessed, haven't we? Don't we have a nice building now? For those of you that weren't here many years ago when we were over in the other building and it was much smaller, and then for 10 years we had to set up altars and chairs and stuff and tear them down every Sunday. I felt like I was building the tabernacle. (laughs) But, you know, our church here that we're in, this building is dedicated to God. But we know that God doesn't dwell exclusively in this building. We're all aware of that. You know, the presence of God will come in here just like in worship tonight. We could sense and feel the anointing and the presence of God as he filled the worship music. But to the people of Hebrews, they weren't sure about that. They weren't sure that God could be somewhere else. In their mind, there was only one place that God could be. That was either in the tabernacle, if you were earlier when it was built, or later on when Solomon built his temple, God lived there. So by faith, by faith, you and I see the heavenly sanctuary. That's the only way that we could see it. And they didn't exercise faith, so they were unable to see it. All they could see was a physical building. So Hebrews 9 is dedicated to the contrast between the Old Covenant sanctuary, tabernacle, and the New Covenant heavenly sanctuary, where Jesus now ministers. And the New Covenant sanctuary is in heaven. And it looks different than the Old Testament tabernacle and temple. And and we're going to look at this contrast. And what Hebrews is going to be talking about tonight in Hebrews chapter 9 is how this new sanctuary is superior to the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament temple. So there's two parts or two sections that we're going to look at tonight. The first one, chapter 9, verses 1 through 10, 
for those of you that are taking notes and you know, you know, you're kind of more geared to study, I want to give you this. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 10, is the inferior Old Covenant sanctuary. Then the second part is chapter 9, verse 11 through verse 28. That is the superior heavenly sanctuary. All right, so let, let's first look at the inferior Old Covenant sanctuary or tabernacle. So everybody, if you're not to chapter 9 by now, just give up. You're probably not going to get there. <laughs> So let's just start together. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place to worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and a sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were a gold incense altar, a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that had sprouted buds or leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant, the, the law of God. Above the Ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, but we cannot explain these things in detail now. And so he begins to walk through and describe to them the articles of the tabernacle, kind of what the tabernacle looked like. So Hebrews reminds us of all of the regulations, all of the practices, and the ministry of the priest, that these were all ordained by God. Okay, God set all of this up and God ordained it this was what God wanted them to do. This was how they were able to connect with the holy God. Now, the inferiority was not caused by God. When God built it, it was perfect. As a matter of fact, if you go read Exodus, you know, you can read about all the minute details. God built this perfect because God is perfect and God has to have a, a perfect dwelling place to live in. So it wasn't God that, that was inferior. What made the tabernacle inferior to the now new covenant tabernacle. Well, I'm gonna tell you, chapter nine gives us five reasons why the tabernacle or the temple is inferior. Number one, number one, it was man-made. And uh, you know, all of us have man-made products. What do they do? They break because they are man-made. They just mess up. So in Exodus 35 and 36, we see all the materials and all the gifts that were brought to build the tabernacle. It was an earthly building. It was made with human hands, and it was made with earthly material, and all of this stuff won't last. It just, you know, we go buy something brand new, and it wears out. We get a new pair of shoes, they wear out. We get new jeans, they wear out. We get a new car, it wears out. So being earthly, the tabernacle needed repairs, just like our homes need repairs. The roof leaks, stuff breaks, okay? So it was limited because it was something that had to be repaired. Also, it was in one geographical location. So if you were gonna come, if you were gonna worship God or you were gonna connect with God, guess what you had to do? You had to come to where the tabernacle or where the temple was if you were gonna do that. 
And the temple belonged to Israel, not the whole world. At that time, it was very exclusive. It was the Hebrew people, God's chosen people, and those were the only people that could worship God at that time. All right, the second reason that it's inferior. <clears throat> it's, it was inferior because it was just an example or a type of what will be. So this was just a mere type or an example. It wasn't supposed to be the finished product. It wasn't supposed to be, it was like a, kind of like a prototype, okay? So it's not the finished product. That's not what you're supposed to say, well, I'll just keep the prototype. No, you don't want the, you know, y'all know software like releases, it's beta. You know, it starts out alpha, then it's beta, beta one, beta two, beta three, beta four. Well, it's got all kinds of problems with it until you finally get to the finished version, and then you're, you know, you're, you're fortunate if it doesn't have problems then because <laughs> it's made by man, right? Now, I don't have time to go into an in-depth study of the tabernacle and all of the pieces of furniture that were in the tabernacle and what each piece reveals in the new covenant. Get, get a good book. There's a lot of good ones out there on the tabernacle. And if you want to read about it, it's really an awesome study that I encourage you to do. Very interesting, all that God reveals. But for those taking notes, you can write down these places in Exodus and you can study them if you want to. Exodus chapter 25, verse 31 through 40. Exodus chapter 27 verse 20 and 21, and then Exodus chapter 37, verse 17 through 24. <clears throat> now, all of this is an illustration of the coming new covenant tabernacle, okay? So, the candlesticks provided light. You gotta have light. If you don't have light, you're gonna stumble in the darkness, right? So there had to be light within the tabernacle. The wicks went down into the oil. And the only way that the light could burn was if the wick was in the oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit, right? Now, Jesus said, I am the light of the... Ye are the light of the world. So the only way that we're going to be the light of the world is that we are making constant contact with the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So it's just like God's universe. You know, we've got this big, massive, orange sun that comes up in the mornings, right? Then in the evenings, the sun goes down, and what comes up? The moon. The moon has no light of itself, the moon is merely a reflection of the light that comes off the sun. The sun, S-U-N, S-O-N, and then the moon is the church. The church has no light within itself. It only gets its light from the Holy Spirit. So we can see God showing us in all of his creation and what he's doing here, the reality of Jesus and the reality of the new covenant. Now, Israel was to be the light to the nations. Jesus was the light of the world. Believers, we are to be the light in our workplaces and in our homes and, and all in our community. We're supposed to be the light of the world. But you get your light from the Holy Spirit. The sacred loaves of bread, uh, the show bread, they, there was two rows of six loaves. And these 12 loaves, loaves rec, uh, they symbolized the 12 tribes of Israel that camped around the outside 
of the tabernacle. Jesus is the bread of life, and he's given to the whole world that we might partake of him, and as we eat of him, we'll have life within ourselves. Behind the curtain was the golden incense altar. Now we're moving into the the second room. Behind the altar was the golden incense altar, altar, and on the day of atonement, the high priest used coals from the altar to burn incense. This incense would burn, and this incense would go up to heaven as a sweet aroma. That incense is the prayers of the saints going up to God. Our prayers, your prayers, are a sweet aroma unto God as you pray. And we also know that Jesus prays for us. See, that's what Pastor Tim was talking about in our last lesson. If you didn't get to hear it, you can go back and listen to the podcast. But he was talking about what Jesus is doing presently right now. One of the things that Jesus is doing is he is interceding for us. When you have a series on the tabernacle, it would be really, really good. Maybe that's something we'll actually do. Then there's the Ark of the Covenant. It was a wooden chest. It was three and three-quarter feet long, two and a quarter feet wide, two and a quarter feet high. And on the top of it was what we call the mercy seat. And the cherub were on top of that. The angels with their wings were on the top of it. If you've ever seen like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like that, which is a really good movie, by the way. Um, You know, you see that on there. And so this was the throne of God. This was God's throne. And on the Day of Atonement, blood was sprinkled all over the mercy seat to cover the tablets of the law that were inside the ark. And when God looked at the ark, he didn't see the broken law, he saw the blood. And so it was very symbolic, all of this is so symbolic for us as we look at this. So this is all symbolism of a spiritual reality. And the problem was is that the Jewish people didn't see that it was symbolism of a spiritual reality, they thought it was the reality but really it was pointing to the real reality, which is the heavenly reality or the spiritual world that we're talking about. So Hebrews chapter nine is showing what made the tabernacle inferior. Number one, it was earthly. Number two, it was only an example. It was just a blueprint, it was a pattern. Number three, it was inaccessible to the people. Verse six and seven said that the high priest was the only one that could go in. Nobody else could have access to God except the high priest. And the high priest, you know, he, the, the priest, the normal priest would minister daily in the tabernacle. The high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year. And he was a sinful person. And he had to make sure that his sins were covered before he could make sure that the sins of all the people were being covered. So here's the problem. He had to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as everybody else's sins. But the heavenly tabernacle is opened up to all of us because when Jesus died, Jesus tore the veil from top to bottom and he opened up access for all of us, aren't you glad, to enter into. And now when I wake up in the morning, you know what I do? I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. What you got for me today? What's my mission? You know, it's exciting because I get to connect with God every day. You could talk to God in the shower. Is that crazy? People never thought of that back then. They never would have entered their mind. I could talk to God while I'm out mowing my yard. 
I can connect with God while I'm driving down the road. I can connect with God while I'm eating a pizza. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all aren't getting excited about this as I am. I'm just telling you, I, I mean, if you had to wake up every day and kill a calf and offer sacrifices and you never got to connect with God and you just lived under the guilt of your sin all the time, you'd be excited. I'm just telling you. <clears throat> Shame y'all a little bit. The heavenly tabernacle is open to all people. The fourth reason that it's inferior is it's temporary. It's temporary. The Holy Spirit just is using these, these rules and these regulations and all of these things to reveal the reality of the new covenant. When Jesus died, like I said, the veil of the temple was torn and opened up the holies of holies and now we can all come into the presence of God and we can all experience God's presence and we can all be blessed by it. Five reasons. Earthly, it was only a pattern. It was inaccessible to all the people. It was temporary. And the fifth one, it was only external, not internal. And this is a big one for me because I'm a heart guy. I mean, I, I, I want to live my life for the Lord from the heart, not just going through the motions of religious external obligation. Now, one of the things for these people, guys, they were never able to cleanse their conscience of sin. Every time that that priest went in and he put blood on all of the articles in the tabernacle, all it did was remind him and everybody else how guilty they were before God and how far off the mark they were before God. All the cleansings and the ceremonies, these were all physical. They weren't inward. They were outward. The regulations for the body, food, drink, washing your hands, there was nothing for moral cleansing on the inside, okay? So you have to understand God made some major changes because it says, I will, I will do a new thing. I will write my law in their hearts and in their minds. And you won't have to teach your neighbor about the Lord. Everyone will know the Lord because the Lord comes inside of us and he awakens us to who he is. So we see these deficiencies. You know, they just constantly lived under the guilt and shame of all of their mistakes and, and every every year it had to be done over and over and over and over and over and over and over again so these five deficiencies of the old covenant sanctuary are now matched with the five superiorities of the new covenant and i want to look at the new covenant now look at verse 11. verse 11. so christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come he has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Now, under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. 
For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. This is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and his people. So that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died, listen, for Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant. Now, when someone leaves a will, it's necessary to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's death. While the person who made the will is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of an animal. For after Moses had, reached, had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using the hyssop branches and scarlet wool. And then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The Bible's a bloody book, isn't it? It's all about blood. Can't ever remove the blood. It's all about the blood. The blood's everything. Verse 23, that is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals, but the real things in heaven had to be purified by a far better sacrifice than the blood of animals. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which is only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who entered the most holy place year after year with the blood of animals. If it had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again and again ever since the world began. But now once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death and sacrifice. Verse 27, and just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so you don't reincarnate, you don't reincarnate. So also Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again not to deal with our sins. Come on. Not to deal with our sins. Come on. I said not to deal with our sins. Come on. But listen to this. But to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. And I would be one of those folks. I'm eagerly waiting. So let's look at the superiority of the new covenant. Number one, verse 11, it's not earthly made. It's not made with human hands and, and it's not, it has not been made with earthly material. It's been made with heavenly material. So it won't decay, it won't rot, it won't tear up, it won't break. It's good stuff, okay? Verses 12 through 15, Reveal the second reason. The second reason, it is effective in dealing with sin. Now, verse 12 talks about animal sacrifices, and it had to re be repeated over and over and over again because the only thing that animal sacrifices could do is cover sins, but it couldn't actually wash away sins. It didn't permanently deal with the issue of our sin nature. It just dealt with the individual infractions against the law. And see, that's why it's so important. You know, you hear people, they'll say, um, 
You'll ask people, you say, you know, are you going to heaven? And a lot of people, what they'll tell you is, well, yeah, I'm going to heaven. And you'll say, well, why are you going to heaven? And what do most people say? Well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. But see, what they don't understand, it doesn't have anything to, be, to do with being good. See, church, there's only one person who can enter into heaven. One. Only one person can enter into heaven because there's only one person who is perfect enough to enter into the perfect dwelling place of God, and that's Jesus Christ. So when you die and you stand before the Lord, you better hope he sees Jesus. Because if he doesn't see Jesus, you're not getting in. Because there's only one person who is worthy of heaven, and that is Jesus. And see, so the animals and, and the blood of calves and goats and heifers can't do it for you. Only Jesus can do it for you. And Jesus can do it permanently, okay? So we see that Jesus, and, and, and like I said in verse 15, which, you know, it's just such a great verse. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive eternal inheritance that God has promised for them. Now listen to this. For Christ died to set them free. You are free tonight. Jesus came to set you free. Not temporary, permanently free. All right, the third reason that the new covenant sanctuary is superior is because it's heavenly, I mean, it is superior because it's based on a costly sacrifice. A costly sacrifice. When we look at Jesus and we look at the covenant agreement that God made, God gave his very best, his most expensive gift, his one and only son. There was nothing that was more costly to God than his one and only son. Now, when we talk about this covenant agreement, this last will and testament, and we were talking about a person had to die for a will to be enforced. When, when somebody writes a will, it can't be enforced until the person dies. That's the whole point of a will, right? So it was necessary for Jesus to die so that the new covenant could be activated that was actually made permanent through the death of Jesus. And then the resurrection of Jesus secured it for all eternity. So that's what Jesus accomplished. So even the old covenant was established by blood, it said, you know, the blood of animals. And then Jesus comes along and he secures it by his own blood. So the earthly sanctuary can be defiled because it was used by sinful man. I mean, it was something that sinful man used every single day. But there's no way that the heavenly sanctuary can ever be defiled because it's in heaven and that's where Jesus is and Jesus is perfect, so it can never ever be defiled. Look at verse 19. For after Moses had reached uh, had read each of God's commandments to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of God's law and all the people using hyssop branches and scarlet wool. We enter into God's presence by the blood of Jesus. They entered that way, which was a copy. We enter by the blood 
of Jesus. The old covenant was established by blood, so was the new covenant. The new covenant was just established by a better covenant because it was through Jesus Christ. The fourth reason that the new covenant is superior is fulfillment. Verse 24. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which is only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. We're not depending on an earthly priest once a year to go in and do for us every year. Now Jesus has accomplished that for us. The blood of Jesus fulfilled the old covenant. He did what the old covenant couldn't do. Jesus fulfilled it. And the last one, the fifth reason that the new covenant is superior is it is final and complete. It's final and complete. Look at verse 25. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If it had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ died for once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. And he will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting for him. Jesus finished it. Now let's just look at a comparison here as I close up. In the Old Covenant, they did repeated sacrifices. In the New Covenant, there was one sacrifice. In the Old Covenant, it was the blood of others. In the New Covenant, it's his own blood. In the Old Covenant, it covered sin. In the New Covenant, it puts away sin. It washes it away completely. In the Old Covenant, it was for Israel only. In the New Covenant, it's for the whole world. For God so loved the, help me, world that he gave his one and only son. And then lastly, in the Old Covenant, the priest left the Holy of Holies, but Jesus in the New Covenant, he remains a priest forever in the Holy of Holies. And Jesus is now in heaven right now, and he is talking to the Father about you every day he's talking to God about you for you with you I mean Jesus made it possible for you and I to come near to the father and for thousands of years that's what they wanted but they couldn't because they were afraid they were fearful of God's judgment but Jesus took the judgment of God upon himself so that we don't have to be judged and now you and I have access to come into the Father's house. As we end chapter 9, there's no middle ground. you got to make a choice. Earthly or heavenly? Temporary or eternal? Incomplete or complete? I think I choose what Jesus accomplished. Amen? Y'all stand with me tonight. Let's give God a hand clap. Let's thank God for what he did. Absolutely. He did a great thing for us all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this study on Hebrews. God, just help us continue to grow in our understanding and in the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for us. And Jesus, tonight, once again, we thank you, Lord. 
We'll give you thanks and we give you praise for all that you've accomplished for us so that we can know the Father just like you do. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Our prayer is that you will experience Jesus in greater ways. If you would like to learn more about how to give to the ministry of CMC, please go to cmchurch.com giving. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.